very good day to you all and welcome to the third season, the first episode of the third season, mind you, of Food with Mark Bittman. A very special welcome for those of you who are joining us for the first time, and you might want to check out some of the earlier podcasts from just last year. I'm Mark Bittman, as you probably know, and I'm excited for our relaunch, a great lineup of guests and plans and hopes and dreams and conversations about all aspects of food, from your grandmother's special way of dealing with rice or potatoes or tomato sauce, to how to best win the fight to start growing food that will nourish our people without destroying our land, and everything in between. Recipes, the places you've eaten recently, a policy issue we're interested in, whatever. And of course, guests. We're starting the season off with Laura Linney, a wonderful person and a great interview. And in the course of the next few weeks, we're going to have some impressive and wonderful people, including Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack, my friend and one of the country's most knowledgeable food scholars, Ricardo Salvador, the brilliant and hilarious Sam Irby, the brilliant and seriously thoughtful Frank Bruni, Sheldon Simeon, Allison Bechtel, Al Roker. The list goes on and it's still growing. Please join us, subscribe, Give us many stars or whatever it is you're supposed to do. And most of all, please listen, enjoy, and reach out. We'd love to hear your questions. We hope to begin doing live Q&A this season. And any suggestions are welcome as well. Reach out to us at food at markbitman.com. And please check out and subscribe to the Bitman Project newsletter at bitmanproject.com. Laura Linney is obviously not known for food, but for her acting. But you'll hear us discuss how everyone is either frustrated by or obsessed with food, or both. 
And, you know, that's another way in which food ties us all together. You probably know Laura Linney from her extensive theater work. She's the daughter of famed playwright Romulus Linney. She attended Juilliard. She's been nominated for five Tonys. Or maybe you know her for her work on TV and in the movies. She's perhaps best known for The Truman Show, You Can Count on Me, and Love Actually, and of course is starring in the final season, as she did in the prior three or four, whatever it was, of the giant Netflix hit Ozark. There's a separate Wikipedia page just for her filmography, so chances are you've seen her somewhere. And in case you're wondering, she probably falls into the frustrated by food category, but more of that to follow. I'm glad to be back. Here we go. Laura, welcome to Food with Mark Pittman. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I have a question for you. Do you think in terms of taste? When you're thinking of a meal or you're thinking of an ingredient, do you have the sensation of the taste of those combinations of things? It's not visceral. I kind of, I guess I wish it were, but I do know what things taste like and I know what they're going to taste like together without tasting them. So there's just a lot of experience in there. Are there things that still surprise you? I mean, who's interviewing whom, but... um, (laughs) Hey, I got the chance. I'm going to take it. (laughs) I have this ongoing conversation with a friend of mine named Bob Klein, who runs a company called Community Grains, and they do whole grains, brilliantly sourced, blah, blah, blah. And they make pasta. And he and I have had these conversations over the last year, maybe even longer, about figuring out sauces that work better with whole wheat pasta than they do with white pasta. And the converse, that is, you want to have, it's not a compromise to have them with whole grain pasta. You want to have them. You want to. So as I said, I'm jet lagged. It's 11 o'clock. I decided to eat breakfast at 1030. I mean, lunch, whatever. So I cook some of his pasta and I make it, first I made a sauce, which I was running back and forth to the computer. So I did it haphazardly, but it was tomatoes, which I freeze tomatoes from the garden. So it was defrosted tomatoes and capers and olive oil and anchovies and shallot. And I think that was it, but I cooked it a long time, cooked it like an hour. And then I made this pasta and first of all, it cooks fast, whole grain pasta cooks faster. And I'm sure there are reasons for that, but we don't need to go into it. So, but it cooked really quickly, but I caught it before it was overdone. And I combined it with that sauce and I thought it's the most delicious thing. Now, I'm jet lagged. I'm out of my mind. I'm really hungry. Yeah, such. but it's great. But there was but this. It's deli- but it's how how fant- how literally delicious, <laughs> how spiritually delicious, how figuratively, how realistically, how it factually delicious. How wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I was happy. But the interesting thing was because your question was, do I know what things are going to taste like? The interesting thing was halfway through eating this, like this tastes like it has butter in it. This is really delicious and has that warmth and unctuousness. And there's one anchovy. It's not the anchovy, although that's a factor. I think it's got to be the whole grain pasta. It really had a different character than it would have if you were making Berea white spaghetti. This was like really delicious. And it wasn't only because I was, you know, tired and blah, blah, blah. So there's always surprises. I mean, I thought it was going to be the most ordinary thing. And I just came back from, as I've said, probably twice, six weeks in Rome. So I've been eating plenty of really well. pasta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love talking to people who are artistic in different fields to see 
you know, what is the same, what is different about process, what is inherently just in the nature of being artistic within a certain realm, whether that's food or theater or film or, and to see like where things are parallel, where things are really very different, what's vocational, what's professional, what's, you know, and at least for me, I know that if I'm not surprised at least once a day, then I, then I've stopped working. Then something has stopped. I'm not evolving anymore. Like I have to be, I can't be too knowing. When you get to be too knowing, yeah. at least for me, no, I get it. It goes stale or stunted or. I think curiosity is really the key to enjoying certainly work, many other things also. And then just the wonder, but how much positive surprise is necessary? You know, a sort of reaffirming surprise within your realm of work, how that's necessary to keep going to every once in a while be like, oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> or, oh, my goodness, that's better than I thought it would be. Or, oh, wow, that went in a totally different direction than I thought it would. And I've been thinking a lot about that as I'm getting older and have been doing this now for a while. What are the things that I need to make sure I stay open to? And um, I think as people, you know, have decades of experience in things, they can let their foot off the gas a little bit and uh, just want to make sure I'm still connected somehow. I assume you have as much work as you want and can handle. How do you judge something so that you want to say yes to it? I think reading a script is very much like reading a recipe because you know the ingredients involved, you know how things come together. And if I start working on a script before I finished reading it, if I can't help myself, if connections are being made, if I'm seeing things like a chessboard or if I'm looking at it and I all of a sudden like a blueprint starts to sort of come off the page while I'm reading it, then I know I have to pay attention to it. If I just read it and it's just words on a page or I'm not sucked in or I, I'm not having any visceral response to the material, then I realize it's not for me. But usually a good director helps. <laughs> you know, other great actors help. Great writing helps. You know, one of those three things has to be there at least, at least one. If it's two, great. If it's all three, it's a slam dunk. I heard this anecdote about you and Elizabeth Strout. Now I can't <laughs> yeah. remember where it was, where you said to her, well, maybe William is having an affair. This is obviously, oh, you yeah. have to have read Elizabeth Strout to know what I'm talking about, but let's hope enough people have, or it doesn't matter. It's yeah. like yeah, your no. interaction with the author led her to do something completely different than what, or, or was a revelation for her and a, sort of a gift, it sounded like. Yeah. Well, she has very quickly become one of my favorite people on the planet. You know, I was lucky enough to do My Name is Lucy Barton, and she was in on a lot of the rehearsals. And we just like each other. We just get each other in a way that has been really nutritional for me, <laughs> nutritious for me to have a, a friend like that. And I think I did something in rehearsal where I asked a question about William. And Elizabeth says that I, you know, put my glasses on top of my head, which is something I do all the time. And and then she had a bit of a, you know, a door opened in her mind about where the story had to go from what she has shared with me. Then, oh, William, which is her latest novel, sort of tumbled out. So I, I was really cool. thrilled to be a tiny part of someone else's artistic birth there. It's such a great story. 
she's sort of on my list of people to try. Oh, for, get her. Oh, um, a, no, no, no. Now I'm, she's now my favorite. I mean, I, I feel like I've been reading nothing but for about a month. I read Lucy Barton first and then I read Abide With Me. And Have you read any, Anything Is Possible? No, I read oh, Isabel really and good. Amy, which I yeah. thought was amazing. No, she's fantastic. I was sort of thinking I'd read them in order now. I, so, I guess I've jumped around. You can't do wrong. <laughs> Whichever way you go, you can't do wrong. It's, it's, it's wonderful stuff. And I must say, being able to sort of embody her work, being able to say those words every night on and off for two years, you know, was really just such a treat when the writing is that good. Oh, my God. It just makes it all so easy. I mean, this was one of my questions. It doesn't start to feel like work. It's when just, it's good, it's, I mean, when it's good, it's a day job like, and it doesn't, it feels great. When it's, when it's, when it, do, when things don't work, when you don't get along with someone, when the writing isn't good, when it feels clunky and you're, when you feel disconnected from your body, when it feels like sawdust in your mouth, when it's awkward and you just, you know, you're bad. It just, blah, that's when it's hard work. When things are uh, aligned, when things just for whatever magical reason come together, it really sort of takes on a life of its own and you just get on the conveyor belt <laughs> and you let it like the current just goes through you and you just try and deliver it to people, you know, and just right. get out. Writing is like that oh my God. sometimes when it works. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. It's like, any, it's like a good relationship. Like, you know, great relationships are, you know, when they're easy, they feel divine when they're really hard, unless you get off on, you know, being in conflict all the time, which some people do. Like, yeah, you know, okay. Some people, do. some people do. That's true in the theater and in film as well. But it's a relationship that you have with material. But when it when it works, it's heaven. And when it doesn't, you really you want to go home and crawl into bed and never come out. <laughs> so does Ozark work if it looks like an ensemble that works, but is that Yeah, it was heaven. Those situations don't come along very often. So I've had a very wonderful past few years between my name is Lucy Barton and Ozark, you know, in two different mediums to, to have situations that were just so fulfilling and fun to do. And it's been a great few years. Congratulations. That's well, wonderful. Thank you. I don't take it for granted. <laughs> One of the things about Ozark, obviously Lucy also, but Ozark particularly that we were thinking about was that Wendy and Ruth and Helen and Darlene and others are like tough, smart, interesting women. And and maybe that's not new, but you, you think of sort of in TV, at least, or series, you think of Carmela Soprano as being sort of this, first of all, you know, she was an amazing actress. Yeah, um, Edie is spectacular. Like, you know, spectacular. she was incre- yeah. And yeah. the role was like, she Absolutely. was made for that role. Absolutely. But, but that was such a great character whenever she was on the screen you were happy it was like as a viewer and that is becoming or is it becoming more common i think it's becoming more of the norm that well what do i want to say that women aren't just on screen to be beautiful that would be ridiculous no but i know what you mean i know what you mean there's a cultural thing in television where characters for women were were not terribly deep and were not allowed to really affect plot or narrative and that has that has changed over the past, especially since television started to, with streaming, with all these channels, 
and so many film people coming into television. I think there has been a bit of a, the, the sweater's been stretched a bit. <laughs> and, but what was different with Ozark is that it wasn't just one woman. It was several women. It was lots of women. I also sort of loved that we were all blonde. I thought that was, that was not intentional, but I just sort of <laughs> loved that it turned the stereotype right on its head. That You had all these blonde women sort of, you know, charging around doing all this stuff. It is a good question. I think, I mean, I like your answer. Thank you. And what I was thinking about, is it the, the Beckel rules? You know, the rule right. that is like, are two women on the screen for more than five minutes talking about something other than a man? Well, I That's think, kind of a test. Yeah, and, but I think that being put forth and putting people being aware of that made people go, oh, oh. <laughs> it you was know? a revelation. It was yeah. like, oh yeah, that never happens. That's right. Yeah. And you know, we all knew it. Those of us who had to play those parts knew it, you know, and there's still a long way to go in, in other areas, but it's, uh, it, there is a change from, from when I started in the business to now. There's definitely a change. That's great. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing 
at your Lexus dealer. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. We had a sort of full house during COVID. We kind of potted with our kids and mm-hmm. watched a lot of TV, needless to say. And um, we rewatched Truman Show one night, oh, which <laughs> does not age. It's really, really yeah. good. Oh, good. And I'm just wondering whether you ever go back and watch anything old or if it's just painful or weird. or. I have a very hard time watching myself, period. I, I don't enjoy it. I really don't. I love watching everyone else, but I have a very hard time watching myself. I find that as more time goes on, it's easier. So um, I haven't seen Truman Show in a, in a very long time. And what my experience with each product is very different from the people who view it. For me, it was the experience of making it, the people involved, the memories I have from that time. And Truman Show was just a brilliant in many different ways. Peter Weir is an exceptionally brilliant man. You know, everything about him is brilliant. His personality is brilliant. His artistry is brilliant. His technical ability was unmatched. I've never, I've I've still never seen anything like it. I've never seen a director who is so balanced with his ability to technically handle a crew, a camera, a visual style, to tell a narrative without a visualization that competes with the story, but really enhances it. And then at the same time, be able to work with actors in the way that he could. It was just fun. He was, and he was, his brain is so creative and it's constantly going and he has a great sense of humor. And so it was, he was really inspiring to be around and it was still very early in my career. So I was still a little intimidated and trying to figure it all out. I'm not going to tell you to watch it. 
I mean, it's helped listeners to watch it because it does really stand up. And <laughs> oh, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. It's unique. It's, it's really a different movie. There's not, you know. It's, no, there's nothing was, visually like it either. Yeah, it was really strange. We had a great time watching it. Okay. What are you working on now? Well, at the moment, I'm taking a breather from the five years. And then I'm off to Ireland in the spring to go do a, a British indie with Kathy Bates and Maggie Smith, which I'm excited about. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that's really, I'm very excited about that. And then I, I'm hoping there's another indie after that later in the summer. So I'm trying to see what play I want to do next. And, you know, so I'm, I'm sort of waiting to see what, what happens, you know, things don't, you know, my career fortunately has been very gradual, but consistent. So I find that even when there's a big success, like I remember the Truman Show or Ozark or something like it, my life doesn't change an enormous amount. So I just keep doing what I do. You know, I do my indies. I go back to the theater. I have a great job comes along. Terrific. And theater is definitely part of your future. No, without a doubt. Yeah. It, is it, it your first love? You're a New Yorker. Well, it's it's just so part of who I am. It's part of and it's part of my inheritance. I mean, I'm the daughter of a playwright and I grew up in the theater and I grew up in New York City and I adore everything about it. <laughs> I love I love what it does. I love how it does it. I love what's required to do it. I I love that there is the element of time that is an essential ingredient which is not the case with film and TV because time has a magical quality just like with food what it will do. You know, things grow and change and meld together. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't create that. <laughs> it just happens. And you have to earn it. You have to earn deep, deep, deep connections just through doing it. I always tell people, like, don't go see a play unless it's been running for three months. It will be a very different experience from seeing it open. Opening night's very exciting. It's, it's thrilling opening night. But if you see a show three months later, it's going to be a lot better. <laughs> It just will. It will have melded. Yeah, it will have stewed. It's, you know, it just, there's connections that happen. Things start talking to each other that it's going to take time. It just takes time. Things have to grow. It's not instant pudding. I always, you know, think like this is not instant pudding. You, just don't, <laughs> you don't just don't add water and go. You just don't. You have to be patient. You have to sit in discomfort when things don't work while you move through something, while you have growing pain. Like it's a, it's a whole other animal. I love that. And I, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, and then you really feel like you're invested in something. You are in it in a very different way. So that can't happen in a movie that can't happen on a, in a series, like that Not kind of maturation way. of a growing ensemble. A little bit. If you're able to do something for a long period of time with the same people, I think with Ozark that happened a bit because there was just the core of us who were together for a long period of time. So we had those connections in a way. But when you don't, you don't know the whole story, you can't, there's a lot you can't really sink into because you don't know where the story's going. With an encapsulated narrative, you go back and you do it again. And then you go back and do it again. <laughs> you go back and you do it again. And there's that wonderful period of time where you, first you work on the play, you work on the play, you work on the play, you work on the play. And then there's that magical moment. It doesn't happen all the time, but if things, are going your way, you stop working on the play and the play will start working on you. Mm. It's very liberating when that happens. And then it takes on a life of its own. It really becomes, it's, it becomes alive. That's what you 
you hope that happens. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> and when it doesn't, it feels terrible. But when it does happen, it's, it's art. Then that's, that's art. Do you cook? We're going to transition to food. <laughs> yeah. Do you bring any of this wisdom to your cooking? I so try. I so try to cook. I so try to cook. And sometimes I'm better at it than others. But I have a hard time enjoying what I cook. Mm. I don't know what that psychological thing is. Like I made a, I made a thing last night. I made, you know, roasted vegetables and sausage. And, and the person who I was sharing it with, my assistant was, was with me and he ate it. He loved it. And I was like, eh. <laughs> I, I don't know he's like this is delicious I didn't know you could cook like this I was like really is it really good I don't know it's <laughs> like a that... sausage and some vegetables that were sort of steamed and didn't really roast really and I don't think he was blowing smoke I think he really meant it so well he may have been I yeah. mean with all due respect he may he was hungry <laughs> and he may not have known that the, that the vegetables steamed and didn't roast. I mean, yeah, yeah. So I, I try. I really want to be better, and I do cook. But yeah, so I was baking a lot during the pandemic, which was really fun, and I was better at that than I thought I would be. And then the cooking, I, I, I go in and out. Like anything, the more you do it, the better you get. Right, and you know, the more dexterous you get, the deeper your understanding, things that at one point were very intimidating become secondhand nature. So for me, it's, I'm so in and out of the practice of cooking that I feel like I'm constantly starting at square one. I'm better now at, at this age than I was 20 years ago. That's for sure. I've met a lot of chefs in my life who just never seem to eat. Professional oh, chefs really? who, who just are so I wouldn't say turned off, but they just get full from doing the cooking. I mean, maybe they taste and snack and stuff, but they never sit down to a proper meal or rarely sit down to a proper meal. I want to be one of those people that has that sort of, you know, spiritual enlightened moment with food, like the, the foodies seem to have. I see it in them. I see it in their bodies. I see their cells change <laughs> when they eat. Like, I want to have that. And I'm not, I don't have that. I enjoy really great food. And the best food I've ever had was in Italy. I mean, having a great meal in Italy was an unbelievable experience, but that doesn't happen to me regularly. You know, I want my food to be a little more magical than it is. I want it to, and it just kind of, it just isn't. <laughs> I think, I mean, I would I just say. Can't, I can't <laughs> do it. It's okay. <laughs> I would say keep at it because there's nothing better than I mean, I'm I'm hypercritical of my own cooking and often people will be sitting around I hope this doesn't come out wrong but often people will be sitting around telling me how good something is and I'll be like no just like what happened to you last night like no the no this part's not no. good and this part's the, I didn't do this right and I'm sorry about yeah. that but when you feel like you did everything right when you feel like you cooked it and you did everything right and you can really enjoy it. That is, I mean, yeah, that's the moment. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. It's really great. And that's like when you're, when you're in a great play or in a movie that works, it's the same thing. I mean, there's nothing worse than me doing a project and I'm not happy with my work. I don't like it. It could have been better. And people are like, that was fantastic. <laughs> that's almost worse to me than 
being bad and people saying, oh, well, sorry, that wasn't so good. So are there things, do you have favorites? Are there things that you feel like your standards that you know you're? Well, there are things I go back to because they're sort of, you know, like a shrimp piraeus that my mother used to make. And What's piraeus? It's a tomato sauce, basically, with, um, uh, you know, stewed tomatoes and a little bit of wine and, and um, some a little bit of anchovy. And it's a Greek sort of dish. I wonder where that name came from. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's very easy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it it's very, it's very easy. <laughs> easy and you can do it. You throw it on pasta or throw it on rice. And it's right. It sounds like what I had for lunch minus the shrimp. It's a, yeah, it's, it's good. You know, I usually end by saying what you had for dinner last night, but I already know what you had for dinner last night. Yes. So how about if I ask you what the last great meal you had was? Oh, I think the last great meal I had. That's a really good question. I think it was Thanksgiving. So why? You got you got to do better than no, that. No, I know it was Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was really because for me, it's what makes a great meal is also the company. What makes a great meal is the environment. My house was up and buzzing. I have a lot of my favorite people here. We all made a dish. We were all in the kitchen together. It was. And uh, for me, that's that's a great meal. Well, that's cool. That's good. I know it's a great meal. It's a simple meal, but it's a great meal. There's a restaurant in Dumbo called Almar, which is a great Italian restaurant. And the food is just so good. I could eat there three meals a day. I really could. I just love the food there. It's simple. It's potent. It's well-balanced. You're never, you never feel overstuffed. You always feel satisfied they make a um they make a shrimp you, pr- salad. you probably just ruined it you know because now okay. tomorrow a hundred thousand people are going to show up there that's that's it's so <laughs> it's so good they have a shrimp a wild shrimp salad that is the perfect lunch perfect and then they make a, a um a spinach bolognese which just knocks my socks off every time i have it and i tend to just eat that over and over and over and over and over again because i and I am always amazed how I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I'm having it again. I do that. I get favorites in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. And just, yeah. And that's, that's where I go. So I think, I think any Almar meal for me is, is good. Well, thank you. It's really been fun and encouraging in a way for me, for the future of what we're trying to do here. Because, um, you know, there's some pressure to talk to chefs all the time. But yeah, no. we, we don't want to do that. Things intersect in surprising ways. You have to trust that. Okay, Laura mentions a shrimp salad that she likes, and in honor of that, I'm going to give you my grilled shrimp salad with Thai basil. This is an awesome Southeast Asian recipe. Set up a grill or a broiler, whichever you like. Make it so that the your rack, wherever you're grilling or broiling, is about three or four inches from the heat source. And um, marinate about a pound of shrimp uh, peeled in two tablespoons soy sauce, a tablespoon or more of chili garlic paste. Obviously, you can make that, but you can buy it as well. And some chopped fresh Thai basil, at least a tablespoon or two. So let that sit while you proceed with the recipe. And the recipe is juice a couple of limes, mix that lime juice with a tablespoon of Nampla, that is fish sauce. You could use soy sauce instead. Pinch of cayenne or to taste, 
a half a teaspoon of sugar, just a little bit you want for sweetness, four cups of torn lettuce leaves, Boston lettuce, romaine lettuce. You can use any mixture of greens you want here. And then a cup of torn Thai basil, or you can use Thai basil mixed with mint, or you can use Thai basil, mint, and cilantro. Any of those is a is going to be great here. And a cucumber, uh, let's say a medium cucumber or two small ones, peeled if the skin is tough, seeded if there's a lot of seeds, chopped up. Mix all of that together. If it's thick, you might add a tiny bit of water. It should be kind of thin. And do that in a bowl. The lime juice, the fish sauce, the cayenne, the sugar, a little bit of water if you need it, with the lettuce, mint, uh, cucumber. I forgot red onion. You want a little bit, a couple tablespoons of chopped red onion or shallot. Put that salad on a platter, grill or broil that shrimp, and um, top the salad with the shrimp and any juices that are in the pan if you broiled it. Garnish with a little more chopped fresh basil or cilantro or mint or all of the above and serve. Enjoy that. Thanks to Laura Linney for bravely appearing on a food podcast. She was fun, right? You can follow her at It's Me, Laura Linney. And season four of Ozark is set to premiere on April 29th. Let me remind you, you can email us at food at markbittman.com and please check out bittmanproject.com. Thanks to Kate Bittman, Catherine Lowe, and Davis Lloyd, all of whom contributed to producing this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. See you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 